Welcome to The Lodestar. My name is Mike King and I edit and produce Lodestar podcasts. For this sponsored episode, your host today is Lodestar news editor Nick Savides. He will be tackling some juicy topics. As I'm sure many of you have read on the Lodestar.com, in March, European legislators agreed to speed up emissions cuts from shipping by accelerating the switch to green fuels. That legislation still has a number of bureaucratic hurdles to clear, but the EU is not the only rule maker driving change. Wherever you are, incentives and penalties to encourage decarbonisation are being drawn up or are already in place. And whether driven by regulations or companies seeking to simply do better by the world or by their customers, greenery is coming to a supply chain near you. Of course, any sensible approach to decarbonising and building sustainable maritime supply chains has to include ports and terminals. To explore this topic and many others, Nick is joined today by Steve McCrindle, DP World's Port Operations Director at Southampton. So we embarked on this trial to use HVO. The trial was a success. We saw that there was no adverse effects to the equipment, to the engine. We could store the HVO in the alts storage tank so there was no additional costs incurred there and in April 2022 we converted to 100% HVO across the whole fleet of straddles. This generated a 55% reduction in carbon emissions over 21 and that was against the 5% increase in volume as well so yeah pretty successful. Hi everybody my name is Nick Savides and you're listening to a Lodestar podcast and today as trailed I'm delighted to be joined by Steve McCrindle, DP World's Operations Director at Southampton. Hello, Steve. Good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Steve, we've heard from Mike in the intro that we're seeing some really firm steps in Europe and elsewhere towards creating more sustainable supply chains. I want to discuss some of the initiatives that DP World is implementing in a moment. But for context, can you please give our listeners some insight into how ports and terminals fit into these ambitious targets? to cut emissions more generally? The way we see it, we think ports and terminals are actually essential to enable the success of the Green Corridor. And DP World wants to be leading in this area. They're combined with lots of regulations that are just recently coming out, like IMO 23. So looking at sustainable greener energy is more essential than ever. And the challenge is how we do that. And also for the journey on how we get there. I think it's, it's, it's a big challenge. That's great. So when you're looking at a port or a terminal on a a general level, where's the lowest hanging fruit for emission reductions? And where are are the more long-term challenges that ports might face over the next few decades in terms of cutting emissions? Clearly, I suppose the most obvious answer is to remove the need of fossil fuels. Operating a terminal requires a number of assets heavily reliant on diesel. We've had electric key cranes for a number of years in the industry, but there's still a lot to do. And a lot of our equipment is powered by diesel. So this is one area where we feel that we can move to more electrically operated equipment. But then the challenge from that, once we're there, is how the infrastructure can support the powering of that electricity. And that's where we need stakeholders and local government to also play an active part in upgrading the infrastructure so that we are able to have the right level of power. We then have moved to HVO, hydro-treated vegetable oil, as an interim fuel source. 
whilst where the industry we're looking at that as an alternative green energies we're looking at renewable sources so like solar wind london gateway logistics park are looking at how they utilize the roof space to put in these renewable energy sources and then when you look further down in the scale of things we're even thinking about how we use rainwater and rain rainwater to clean the assets and use that in um, when we clean internal equipment so there's a number of things that we're looking at doing and various scales in the DP world. I'm going to throw a, a question in here at, at, at you from left field, really. A lot of what you're talking about is electrification, and that requires lithium-ion batteries. Usually, the electrification charges the batteries, and so there are many batteries on a terminal that's automated. Some unions have complained, or at least are concerned, that the lithium-ion batteries might be dangerous and may cause fire. Is that a concern for you guys? First, you have to say we we haven't heard that concern. So the unions haven't raised it with us. We've been successfully trialling electric shuttle carriers in London Gateway. So we haven't seen any adverse effect there. But DP World takes safety really seriously. So if there were any issues with the iron batteries, then yeah, we would be tackling that and addressing that problem. One of the things that we do well in DP World is we engage with local unions and we make them part of our journey. So every trial we're doing, we take that engaged approach with the workforce. They're part of the decision making. So hopefully you know, we wouldn't have that. And then when you look at automation, automation raises some concerns in the workforce. People normally associate automation with loss of work. But we don't necessarily see that. We sometimes see that automation means that you can do more with the same. But then we also have to sort of be mindful of the backdrop of the recruitment market. I think most industries are struggling to recruit and we're no different. So currently we're seeing some challenges recruiting people with the work, flexible working patterns that we need to employ. And work-life balance is more prominent in the workplace than ever before. So does automation have a part to play there as well? And many of the other initiatives you mentioned, you started implementing already at the Port of Southampton, one of the UK's leading container ports. Can you explain a little about when you started planning to make the emissions cuts and what the process was and what sort of progress you've made recently? Yeah, so this global ambition for DP World terminals to reduce their absolute use of carbon as we strive for net zero and become part of that green corridor. There is also a moral question here and being a responsible company, we felt we have an obligation to look at how we can play our part on that journey. So around about three years ago, we started to look at the market and see what alternative fuel sources were available. As I mentioned, the key cranes were already electrified as are our small equipment, but the larger terminal operating equipment like Stradles is still powered by diesel. And currently there is no electric alternative, although London Gateway has successfully trialled an electric-powered shuttle, and we hope to have that on order soon. And as we do that, there's an ambition that uh, London Gateway's birth form would be a completely electrically operated birth, which would be the first in the UK. So with a fleet of diesel-powered straddles that we have in Southampton, there were limited options. So we embarked on this trial to use HVO. The trial was a success. We saw that there was no adverse effects to the equipment, to the engine. We could store the HVO in the old storage tank. So there was no additional costs incurred there. 
And in April 2022, we converted to 100% HVO across the whole fleet of straddles. This generated a 55% reduction in carbon emissions over 21, and that was against the 5% increase in volume as well. So, yeah, pretty successful. Steve, you've already mentioned the benefits of hydro-treated vegetable oil, or HVO. Can you please explain for our listeners exactly what this is? Yes, HVO is a renewable biodiesel derived from a sustainable source, which as well as lowering carbon dioxide emission, reduces levels of nitrogen oxide, particular matter in carbon monoxide. And just for clarity, where do you deploy it and what benefits does it deliver? So currently, Deeply Worlds uh, Southampton deploys it in all of its diesel-operated equipment. So that's the fleet of straddles, tugs, and any other small berth vehicles that are currently running on diesel. We estimate the switch from diesel to HVO at the port saves around 14,000 tonnes of carbon dioxide annually, which, if you put that into perspective, is about the equivalent of taking more than 8,000 family cars off the road. So we were delighted with the success or the progress we have made on our green journey so far. And since moving to the sustainable HGO last April, the transition away from fossil diesel means that the overwhelming majority of the fuel used in Southampton now comes from a green and renewable source. Right. So I, I know from talking to many people operating in all different parts of the supply chain that one of their concerns in any transition away from fossil fuels is cost. And how does the price of HVO compare to diesel, for example? Yes, uh, you're correct. There is a cost to using HVO. And this is a challenge. And as a business, we grapple with this too. There were all the concerns about the associated costs. There are also concerns like new storage tanks, how it will affect the life of the engine, how secure is the supply chain for HVO. And what happens to the prices when people start to transition to HVO? So these were all challenges that we faced and had to review. And what we have found is that the cost per litre is high. We had already been hit with the removal of juicy or red diesel. So we were seeing a price increase as we moved to white diesel. And then there was an increase on top for using the HVO. But we haven't had to install any other new fuel tanks. We've seen no detrimental impact to the engine or the performance. In fact, we've seen very small marginal gains in fuel optimization. And the supply chain has been secure and we've had no issues with supply. I mean, we don't foresee any for the future either. Okay. And, and in the end, who's going to pay for this extra cost? Who's footing the bill and why? Yes, we are paying the bill. And, and as I mentioned, we believe that we all have a moral obligation to the environment. And it has been it's the responsible thing to do. So we recognise that HVO, it's an interim step, but a crucial step as we strive to reduce our absolute CO2 emissions. And are you expecting further emissions cuts this year or further into the future? Yeah, we expect to see further emission cuts this year in 2023. This will be the first full year of using 100% HVO. Um, as I said, we introduced it last year in April, so this will be the first full year. This will give us about another 35% net reduction in carbon emissions from the fleet and installations by the end of the year, making a 90% reduction compared to 2021. And what's the future for HVO look like? Presumably it doesn't depend on the great British public continuing to eat fish and chips, does it? 
No, you're right there. This was a consideration for us and something we had to consider seriously. So before we committed to 100%, we engaged with fuel suppliers to ensure the supply chain and the sustainability of the product was there. We've not experienced any issues with supply, but as I said, this is an interim step. We recognize HVO is not the final option, but it's a good interim. And we have to make sure that, you know, that we look at using more greener and sustainable fuel sources. Right. So essentially, it's a sustainable, sustainable fuel, if you, if you want to put it like that. Yeah, we've been assured that HVO is from a sustainable source and something we are keen to explore. The supply chain security we've reviewed and we satisfied ourselves that we are receiving the right product from the right sources. So supply and security is absolutely essential. And in the future, looking to the future, isn't it the ultimate aim to shift a lot of the terminal operations to running on renewable electricity? Yes, electric and whatever renewable sources can be invented after that. So electric is what we're looking at immediately. We have an ambition to move to a fully electrified fleet of spells. London Gateway has already committed to making the new work full, fully electric. And we're also trialling tractor unit, tug units. Um, so they've got three of them in London Gateway at the moment. So yeah, there is an ambition to move to a fully electric fleet. And that leads really to what DP World has already announced, that it will spend $500 million on decarbonising its global network with 20% cuts over the next five years. And to reach net zero by 2050, should the goal be to achieve zero carbon emissions rather than net zero, with the difference being that it's not just a putting into the atmosphere what you've already taken out, but you're actually cutting the amount. Is that achievable? If not, why not? So DB World will look to mitigate the impacts of climate change by becoming a net zero logistics organisation by 2050. We will oversee trade flows in over 200 countries across six continents. In these communities and environments, we will work with key stakeholders, governments, and correlations to bring about positive change. We will implement a fleet replacement plan for all trucks and ships to be converted to zero carbon propulsion systems. We'll offer customers solutions that support their own sustainability journeys and provide them with end-to-end supply chain solutions with more efficient routing. And then the vision is to become a carbon neutral business by 2040. We are invested in technology, nature-based solutions, implementing responsible business practices and working with the right partners to achieve this. We have an intermediate target of 28% CO2 reduction by 2030, with 2019 being the baseline, and a clear roadmap to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2050 across our entire operations. And I'm guessing that you're getting pressure from your customers. I mean, I know that the Lodestar, we're now seeing that shippers are really pushing for sustainable solutions, in part because their end customers are demanding it. Will decarbonizing DP World terminals give the company a competitive edge in both the short and long term, if that's what consumers are demanding? Yes. We're also seeing our customers ask questions about what we're doing in regards to decarbonization. There is more focus and more talk about than ever before about the green corridor and this is great news for the environment and with that high profile conversation our customers are asking what we are doing and and what part we're playing and hopefully this will then have an impact on the decision our customers make in the future 
to choose those partners that are focusing seriously on the environment. Well, let's turn to Southampton's more general operations. I know you guys have significant intermodal operation already, but what are you doing to get more freight on the rails and off the road? So Southampton is moving more freight by rail than any other UK terminal, around about 30, 30-odd percent. And there is still capacity to do more on the rail networks from Southampton. And this is something we're keen to explore and grow. We recognise running more trains from our hubs as a sufficient benefit for the environment. And a good example of this is the train that's recently started to run between the two hubs, Southampton and London Gateway. By this weekly service, we operate the service ourselves and we're taking the equivalent of around about 120 trucks off the road every time the train runs to and from Southampton to Gateway. Okay. And Southampton is also a significant player in the cold chain business. Can you explain the scope of your operations in that field? Yes, Southampton's got a growing share of the UK market in our reefer market in this area. So 20% up in 2022 from 14% in 21. And DP World is handling around about 70% of all the UK market from 50-20 split, 50% gateway. And once again, this is an area that we're really keen to explore and grow. We recognise that our customers need a good level of service and reliability that marry perfectly with the type of cargo, where the cargo is normally time sensitive. So this requires reliable customer-focused service, which we offer from both of the two hubs. Post-Brexit, with the phytosanitary techs that are coming in, etc., and customs and paperwork that is taking much, much longer, has this increased the demand for cold chain services at, at Southampton or changed the market dynamics in any way? This is um, slightly difficult to tell. So most of our trade routes are rest of the world trade routes. So we've not seen a massive change in the short seat products. Both of our terminals are, are mainly rest of the world trade. So we haven't seen a significant change. Okay. So what other investments have you got planned for Southampton and uh, elsewhere in the UK? So yeah, there's a, a large focus on supply chain investment. We've just recently taken on around about uh, 18 and a half acres of land at Southampton. And this is to construct a state-of-the-art facility for lorry drivers, so truck parking with security, restaurant facilities, showers, toilets. We recognise that we've got to attract people into the industry, so we've got to give them good facilities. We're moving our Freegate area, which then is freeing up some space to do other supply chain off-docking activities. So a significant investment there. We're working with the local councils and everything else and engaging with the communities. So we're looking at how we can create jobs and vacancies and um, we're investing heavily. Steve McCrindle, VP World Port Operations Director at Southampton. Thanks for joining me today on the Lone Star Podcast. Thank you, Nick. You've been listening to a sponsored Lodestar podcast produced in association with DP World. You can find more podcasts from the Lodestar on your podcast platform of choice. You can also find our back catalogue of podcasts and a whole lot more news on thelodestar.com. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon. Thank you.